0: So indeed. Right, thank you very much. It's a great privilege to be here and to see so many of you here today, We you will feel the same thing. Okay. Um, what I thought I'd do is set the context for the main press companies in Scotland. So the Herald Times Group is one of the main ones, based in Glasgow, and we have four newspapers and at the moment two websites. We are owned by Newsquest Media Group, which is based in London now, and Newsquest is owned in turn by Gannett. Of the US, which is the biggest newspaper publisher in America. We publish USA Today, etc. So essentially, it's a subsidiary of a subsidiary of an American company. But we operate very autonomously in terms of our strategy and our politics and and all the rest of it. (coughs) There are other big companies in Scotland. Johnson Press, which is a UK wide regional newspaper conglomerate, also have operations based in Edinburgh. They publish The Scotsman and The Evening News and DC Thompson, which is a privately owned publisher, have a number of papers in the North East and in Dundee. So they comprise more or less the Scottish Indigenous Press with some small weekly publishers as well. We've also got STV, the commercial TV broadcaster, and we've got the BBC as well. But the three main regional newspaper groups are what we call the Indigenous Press in Scotland. It's a big newspaper market, it's a heavy penetration of newspapers in Scotland and digital brands as well. So we've got about 5.3 million people in Scotland of whom 94% over 15 do consume newspapers or digital uh, magazines or digital news websites etc. So it's a substantial market but it's changing and it's changed over the last 20 or 30 years as I'll take you through In terms of just newspapers, or news brands, in terms of websites and newspapers, 90% of Scottish adults consume news, so not magazines, but news. And that's not circulation, that's people who read a paper or look at a website, etc. There's a very deep penetration, and when people talk about the decline of news and interest in news, this seems to contradict that. There's still a a great deal of interest in established media brands in, in Scotland. And that compares slightly more than the UK, it's about 87% in the UK. The big peel with quality papers, um, these are things like the Scotsman, and the Herald etc. Uh, and the Scottish versions of the English titles. So nearly half the people consume quality news in Scotland, which is very good for democracy. Just to interrupt, I'm sorry, it's just worth saying the thing about the English title, the Scottish editions of the English titles, because yes. not everybody know. That's it. a good point. I'll come back to it later shop, when I show you shop. the figures, but one of the big challenges in Scotland is the growth of English newspapers, London-based newspapers, with a Scottish or Tartan edition being sold in Scotland, and that's made huge inroads into the indigenous press and I'll show you the figures later and, and contrast it with what it was like 30 or 40 years ago. But in terms of Scottish regional brands, i.e. the indigenous press, about 40% of Scottish adults see in some form the Scottish indigenous press. So we still have a very large market there that we'll explain later how we're trying to tap into, particularly digitally. Let's look at the referendum. Um, you probably know that it created huge engagement with the Scottish population. About 85% of voters voted in the in- referendum for potential independence of Scotland. And that had a very big impact on the media. It had a huge impact on social media and was driven extensively by social media interaction, with people engaging in social media. But also the mainstream media had a major impact. One example is the Sunday Times coverage of a poll showing independence was a possibility. Triggered the whole political reaction by the UK government and potentially changed the whole course of the referendum debate. So, mainstream media retained a very important position there. (coughs) Herald Scotland, which is one of our websites, was probably the main forum for informed discussion about independence. So, the mainstream media were very important, supplemented by social media. Um, It also triggered a lot of thought about the BBC. Now, the BBC are a big challenge for us and for the regional press mm-hmm. in the UK in that their websites are free. And they were widely accused of bias in the referendum, we're showing the need for a balancing, a balancing press. But it is one of the big challenges that we face is the BBC, free news, very good news, um, but you don't have to pay for it. And Grant will come on later when he's explaining the paywall to some of the challenges that you face when you're up against a free competitor. The outcome, the most dramatic press outcome from the referendum was, first of all, a rise in overall circulation. Everybody was more interested in news, so digital traffic went up, newspaper circulations went up. And we decided to capture that interest in independence by launching a new title. So in November, quite unusually in the British newspaper market, we launched a whole new newspaper called The National, and the national banner says it is for independence, the title that supports independence. It is profitable, it will endure, and in a couple of weeks we'll be launching a website for the national. But it kind of excited the British newspaper sector, I think, you could still sell print in a market like this. And a lot of independent supporters are younger people, and we've got a lot of tweets of people saying, I've never bought a paper in my life, but because I believe in this, I'll buy this paper. And its circulation is holding up. We think it will pick up again as the UK general election approaches. You probably know that the Scottish National Party, the government of Scotland, may play a pivotal role in the UK general election, and we think this title will particularly pick up then as people come back to the SNP to see what nationalists are thinking and how (coughs) influence in UK politics can influence the referendum of the independence debate and drive people towards independence. I thought you might be interested in seeing this rather small type, but this gives you an idea of the challenges that we face that David's just highlighted. Forty years ago, if you went to a newsstand in Scotland, you would find one copy of the Times, one of the Guardian, piles of the Scotsman, piles of the Herald, the indigenous papers. If you now go, you'll find piles of the Guardian, the Telegraph, (laughs) etc. etc. And this gives you an idea of the scale of the, the reach. These are daily circulations actively bought papers in Scotland in December so you see the 17000 copies of the times which again would be unthinkable recently and some of these papers are not making a profit in Scotland so this again is a challenge that we face but they are making they have made big inroads so you get the Sun, 226000 the record that used to be the main paper in the main popular paper in Scotland with the circulation approaching a million now down to 187,000, so, sort of period,
1: uh, period.
0: over about the last 25-30 years. So readership is still substantial, really 800,000 pe- copies of newspapers, daily papers sold in Scotland, but inroads by the London based titles, and very difficult to compete, they have vast resources, and some of them, like the Telegraph, have very good Scottish editions. they often splash, the main story is Scottish the Scottish market, um, so it's quite difficult to compete and that's, a lot of our editorial focus goes into what niche do we have where we can bring more depth and more analysis to Scotland. But it's not to underestimate the challenge. So it's not so much the decline over our readership, it's more the dilution of the market by the London based title. I'll just show you the, the national here in December was 30,000, so a substantial paper in the regional market from nothing and the National was invented in three weeks. We decided on day one, and three weeks later, we had recruited, done dummies, arranged distribution, and launched the paper. Three weeks. Three weeks. And it leaked only the day before publication. <laughs> <laughs> so it, it shows you what can be done, even the print. So then
1: three times the readership over the circulation of the Guardian? Yes. <laughs>
0: From nothing. And this is New Market. The overall circulation, the trends continued, so this is new readership, not at the expense of the other titles. And Sundays, uh, our Sunday held, which is one of our titles, backed independence, and you can see the impact there. So it is up year and year by a third because it backed independence, while everybody else is going down. So you see the appetite in Scotland for variety of opinion. Um, the rest of them, are pretty declining pretty much in line with sort of industry standards. But again we've carved out a new niche in that market. So this is the stable that we have. Uh, We've got the Herald which is a quality daily and it's pro-union. We've got the Sunday Herald which is a Sunday paper pro-independence. The national daily paper pro-independence. Evening Times which is a local newspaper in the Glasgow area. Two websites, Evening Times UK and Herald Scotland, which is a merged website for the Herald and the Sunday Herald, which in itself is interesting, where you have two titles on one website with radically different political views. Mm-hmm. So that makes for quite a stimulating debate, and we sell it as the place to get <coughs> informed opinion from both sides. So that, in a nutshell, is the Scottish media market, with the challenges of English titles, of the BBC. And most importantly, the challenge to take print to digital. And a lot of work's going on in our company about how we move to web first, how we in some ways follow the Financial Times and begin to look at the digital operation during the day with a quality newspaper at the end of the day, which is a big transformation for old established newspapers. And that's really what the future is going to. I'll now hand over to Grant, who's gonna take us through the digital future. Grant is a remarkable combination. He is truly an entrepreneur. He is truly a very astute businessman. And he is truly a technically qualified geek. So he's a rare talent that we treasure at the, the Times who in the times. He brings this kind of innovation, but with the proper foundations, which you don't often get. His unit and the technical people are based in the newsroom. So if the digital editor wants something, he's right next door. Or if Grant has an idea for content, we work as a team. And bring
1: the two things together, which is quite unusual, I think. So, I'm um, <laughs> yeah, um, I, I struggling for a title for, for, for my part of the presentation. So, um, from Hollywood to Hollywood uh, lessons to the regional press from the film industry. And then I couldn't quite leave it at that, so I, I had a subtitle of uh, How I Learned to Stop <laughs> Worrying and Love the Pirates. <laughs> <laughs> Reed, not everybody, ah, sorry. Uh, This in the background uh, is obviously the Hollywood Hills, this in the foreground is uh, our Scottish Parliament, um, which is at Holyrood in Edinburgh. I just wanted to start out with a quick bit of myth busting, which we've kind of touched on anyway. Um, UK newspaper circulations from 1950 to 2010, um, steady decline is all all you could say, um, on a pretty predictable trajectory over that whole period. there's a lot of talk about the internet killing off newspapers, and that's just not true. Um, if you look at when the internet became popular, the World Wide world, Web, world, um, we're kind of talking mid-1990s, it was in most people's homes by 2000, and there's absolutely no shift to the, the trend over that period. Um, you might say that it's accelerating slightly between 2005 and 2010, maybe again slightly more now, but it's all very gentle and on that same predictable curve that's been going on since the 1950s. <coughs> um, so, the internet's definitely not killing off newspapers. Um, newspaper advertising, on the other hand, is, is a very different story. So, um, as you you know from that previous graph, we're looking at a uh, decline in circulation, but an increase in uh, advertising revenue over that period. Um, These figures happen to be uh, American figures, the previous ones were British, but the trends are kind of the same in the UK. Um, And these are all, these aren't, these are adjusted for inflation, so we're seeing real-term increase in advertising spend all the way from 1950 to the year 2000, and then a very sharp drop-off, which is completely different from the circulation figures. I've added in a line for online here, so kind of late 1990s, we're all sitting around the newspapers uh, wringing our hands and going, the internet's going to kill us off, and what can we do? And the idea was, you put everything online, and then internet advertising will replace print advertising, and you keep the same money, just from a different source, and for the first couple of years, that seemed to work out really well, that red line there, ticking (laughs) up in the the positive direction, and you think everything's good, if we can just extend that line out, job's are good Um, then <laughs> so so that's the reality. Um, and uh, you know the, the reasons for that seem obvious now, but it's things like the unlimited resource that you have on the internet. you know there, there's unlimited number of pages, Facebook, Google, all these people competing uh, a very low cost bases We've got a pretty fixed cost base in terms of staff um, uh, in terms of uh, contributors. Um, and so, so the cost mm-hmm. for us to generate a thousand page views is much higher than it is for Google or, or Facebook or anyone else. So that's really driving uh, margins down and, and, and profit down uh, for advertising. Uh, so yeah, why did it happen? <laughs> um, so really, I mean, the, the, the thing that, um, the, way, the way I look at it is that, you know, from really the beginning of time until very recently, we had five pipes coming into our home, different utilities. So we had water, gas, electricity we had broadcast media, radio and television, and then we had newspapers, and they were kind of piped into everyone's home, either they got them delivered, or at least every home got one newspaper brought into the house uh, during the day. Um, And newspapers are great because, you know, water gives you water, gas and electricity. (laughs) Television and radio give you entertainment, but uh, they can't give you a wardrobe for sale, uh, a new job, a new home, a new car—all these things that are really local and personal—you can't advertise over television or radio. Fine for brand advertising, not fine for for individual for items. So that's really the the pipe that we had, we still have, um, but we were both the medium and the message, um, and you know those are the areas that <coughs> we could really excel in that no one else could touch. So. Between that slide and that slide, we've replaced newspapers with the internet. The internet's just a better pipe coming into the house. Um, so newspapers still exist, and they're one of the things that travel over the internet, but now it's just, we, we sell the message, not we don't own the medium. Um, and the internet's great for all the things that newspapers were good for. It's also great for pictures of cats, and videos of cats, and uh, <laughs> online shopping, and all those things. So, you know... This is what I say to uh, people that say, "Oh no, oh, I'll be fine." You know, newspapers will have their day again. You can't handle the truth. <laughs> um, so, yeah, um, got a quick slide about where has the advertising revenue gone? So you know, if we go back to that slide where it's like a, a advertising revenues ticking up, and then it dropped down, but that was just the internet advertising revenue that newspapers took. Um, if you look at this here, uh, this is from 2004 to 2011, uh, the same trends continuing, and it basically shows print advertising falling. Uh, the dark green little dots you're seeing at the top of those green lines um, is newspapers taking digital revenue, um, but the big blue line is the rest of the internet. So that's Facebook and Google and all these people that are making lots of money online uh, from internet advertising, and that more than offsets the drop. The, in newspapers, so there isn't less money going into advertising. There isn't less money going into newspapers and online. It's just not coming to us. That's that's basically the the truth, or or less of it is coming to us than we we were used to. Um, so, just as a brief aside, uh, if you think of some of the biggest areas that newspapers are really good for, uh, things like jobs, property ads, cars, all those things, all the classified channels. Um, and we made a lot of money from that stuff. Um, in 1999 we saw that things like monster jobs and total jobs and all these job sites were appearing. Uh, same for property, uh, around the world I guess you've all got the same kind of thing of, of, of these classified channels coming up and, and putting all that stuff online. So we took the kind of crazy, bold decision uh, to cannibalise our own business. So we launched uh, S1 Jobs, uh, S1 Homes, S1 Play for entertainment um, and essentially undercut our own print product with a completely different brand that wasn't co-branded, you know, S1 Jobs from the Herald or anything like that, it was just a brand new brand out there in the marketplace from us um, and essentially eating our own lunch. So what year did you do that brand? um, there was there was three of us and a three techies and and and, uh, and some marketing people and, and, and managers, um, and we launched this one jobs. By luck or good judgment, just at the right time, uh, because it was, in fact, we had we had uh, just a funny aside. Uh, we had management consultants in. I can't remember exactly who it was. I shouldn't I shouldn't name them anyway to, to spare their <laughs> um But but we got them in at a great expense. And uh, they said, right, by all means go into property, launch S1 Homes, don't waste your time with S1 Jobs, Monster and everyone else has got the market sewn up, you're wasting your time, you could put a million pounds into advertising that and you'll never get any, any market penetration. We launched the property site and it did okay, then we launched the job site and within six months we were number one in the marketplace. It just absolutely took off. Um, now, S1 as a division, which is maybe about 40 people, most of their sales, it's a tiny little department in our business, uh, it delivers twice the profit of the whole newspaper business. <laughs> so it's got you know less than 10% of the costs and overheads and staff, but twice the profit of the whole newspaper business. So, sorry, what else? Uh, jobs? Profit. So, it's... It, it if you th- jobs kind of eighty percent of the revenue, homes twenty percent, everything else is kind of pocket change. But but so jobs is where where um, S one's really stolen the market in Scotland. So just shows that you know if you, if you're willing to take that massive punt, which was kind of like destroying our own uh, print revenue, which was going to happen anyway. So yeah, just a quick recap of what we've talked about so far. So newspaper print circulation declining, but it's not falling off a cliff. Uh, Most classified advertising gone online. Display (coughs) advertising we can make some money from, but we reckon it's worth a uh, a digital reader is worth about one hundredth of a print reader in terms of advertising, eyeballs, impressions. Um, So, possible futures. um, You could take the Mail Online approach. Biggest English language newspaper in the world, last time I looked free and ad-supported, you have that massive global scale or tiny cost, you could be a little blog doing the same thing, uh, completely free and open and make lots of money doing that. But only a few operators in the whole world can do that, at least in English language. That's that's where I'm kind of interested between us and say Finland, because um, we have a lot of competition from UK newspapers, from American newspapers, from blogs, from every English language title in the world really where I think some other countries maybe benefit from having a language barrier, mm. um, perhaps. Uh, so at the, the other end of the spectrum you've got The Times which has gone kind of hard paywall, paid subscription, you get the of subscription revenue but much, the, the potential for advertising is limited because you've kind of maybe cut off at least 90% of your audience that you had when you were free so then the advertising revenue goes with that. Um, what we've tried to do is with Herald Scotland is kind of tread a middle ground, so we've got a, a meter paywall so you come out to Herald Scotland and you can read three articles completely free, um, the the numbers change, we started out at ten but we've reduced it to three over time, so three articles completely free then we ask you to register, give us your email address once you've done that you get another three free in that month um, and then after that we ask you to pay, so if you pay it's, it starts at two ninety nine a month uh, and if you don't pay, you can still read the headlines, you can read the comments, but you can't read the article itself, so that's kind of how we, we operate our paywall. So it's very
0: much the FT market?
1: Yeah, so the FT's, uh, yeah, it's, uh, FT is, yeah, FT I would consider a bit of a harder well It's not kind of all the way at the Times because you can get into the FT through Google. So if you find anything in Google, you get into the FT for free. Um, but they don't have that kind of quite the, the same meter, but it's, it's a similar, uh, similar proposition. Um, So, there are a few graphs, I'll keep them uh, simple because to be honest it's all um, our local experience, Uh, everyone will be different but but the the principles apply. So on the red line, uh, so I should say along the bottom um, I've got a kind of hard paywall where you can't read anything unless you pay on the left, a completely free site like the Daily Mail over on the right Um, and then the red axis is subscription revenue. The blue one is advertising revenue. So it's pretty obvious that if you have a hard paywall, advertising revenue is minimized, but subscription revenue is maximized. If you've got a free site, then you don't have any subscription revenue, but you maximize advertising revenue. But it's where these lines sit that's the kind of interesting thing, because that's that's, that's how you make a business out of this whole thing. So all these things are variables. instead of them being straight lines our reality is that so so we found that because so few people consume large numbers of pages in a month that actually you can get almost all of the advertising revenue by setting a really hard paywall limit so so we've we brought the limit right down to three but even then you still get the majority of uh, people seeing content for free and seeing advertising um, and subscription revenue, right? And you were writing, that's that's kind of the, the the curve that it takes. Just from my experience of of tightening the paywall over time, that when we were when we had ten free articles per month, we had well I'll get onto the exact numbers in a minute, but say it, it was like kind of a thousand, and then we went down to five, uh, it went to two and a half thousand when we went down to three, uh, it shot up to eight thousand and then ten thousand. So so really bringing that limit down. Um, subscriptions shot up, not in a straight line, but it was kind of a, almost like a kind of logarithmic curve. Uh, well, it's, it's, it's not really over time, it's just uh, on the left would be a completely hard paywall where you can't get anything, And uh, so, so to take our timeline, we started out at the right hand side, completely free, and then we kind of shifted it as hard as we can down towards the, to the left without going completely solid paywall but you can't get anything. Uh, so we have about uh, 115,000 registered uh, and about 10,000 paying subscribers. 10,000 so paying? Yeah. Pay. Yeah, I'll, I'll dig into the numbers now. Okay. Um So yeah, so, so basically what we did was we took these two lines where they happened to sit, combined them <coughs> together, and whatever the biggest lump is, that's where you put the paywall. So that's that's basically what we did, um, you, know, it was, it, it, you know, no more subtle than that. <laughs> <laughs> um, so that was the, the three a month? Yeah, so, so, so that, that, that kind of line represents three a month where we're sitting just now. Uh, the, the numbers will be different for different papers but the kind of same principle applies that it's kind of maximising advertising and subscription revenue and wherever that, those cross over at the highest yield. Um, so, yeah, so where we are now, um, we've retained about 95% of our page impressions that we had before the paywall. So, um, and I've kind of tried to adjust that for growth anyway, taking where we were growing. So, so that's not to say that we have 95% of the audience we had four years ago, we've got more, but um, kind of on the curve of where we were heading to, we've got nearly that much, Does that make sense. Um, But subscription revenue is our new revenue stream um, (coughs) which accounts for 51% of our digital revenue. That was the January 2015 figure. So, um, well, sorry, it doesn't account for 51%. It added 51%, so I guess it's a third of our total take, but we're making 50% more than we would have made without subscription. Um, And then potentially, although this could be argued either way, maybe we're protecting print sales by not allowing free access to the, to the website. I, I can't provide any numbers on that, but it seems to make sense. So, yeah, um, forgive all the numbers here, but it's kind of interesting for me. Um, the audience profile challenge. So everything that I've said so far is true. And you can have uh, nearly as big an audience as you would have had without a paywall. Um, and you can extract subscription revenue from your really hardcore audience but what that does is and it, overall you end up with nearly the same audience so, so I've plotted the figures there at the bottom of 2.2 million if we had stayed a free site and 2.1 million um, that's um, total monthly unique visitors uh, to Hill of Scotland um, but what you do is you potentially decimate your regular loyal audience so you keep all your flyby visitors all your you know, people come in from all around the world reading one or two articles a month you keep your occasional readers that are only reading one or two articles per visit and they can get their six articles a month within within how much they would normally read but your regular readers and your news junkies, the people that come back every day, you're absolutely limited by the number of paying subscribers you've got because you can't people can't read more than they're, they're paying to read, so if we went down that route exactly, then we would be cutting off the very people that we want to attract for advertisers. So we would have no local audience, or or 10,000 of a local audience versus nearly 100,000, which are the people that we can monetize most from advertising. So we, we did this. We made our paywall leaky by design. So... We basically made lots of ways to get round our paywall if you were determined enough. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, so, so one of those ways is if you come in from social media, you can bypass the paywall. If you open a private browsing window uh, or delete your cookies, you can bypass the paywall to a certain point. But then we've got another level that kicks in that says, okay, well, you might have, uh, you know, you might have read fifteen articles in a month, but actually, we can detect from your IP address that you've read too much, so we're going to block you again. So we have we have different layers of blocking. So we say, okay, you can have a bit more, but actually, you've been a bit cheeky now, and you know, so, uh, so th- a really determined person could buy, um, you know, an anonymous proxy and be browsing from all around <laughs> the world and get past it again, but they would have to pay more than th- more for that than a subscription cost. So so it's that kind of thing of just playing with the psychology of it, saying you know, we don't want to block people off completely, but just kind of getting it right. Um, So just uh, examples of the kind of thing I was talking about there. Um, One of the kind of nice bits of social engineering is when we we, we allowed comments uh, from people that aren't uh, paying subscribers. So you can come to the site, you can read the headline, you can see all the comments, and you can dive into the comment thread if you're a registered user and have your say, but you won't have read the article. And then the person after you would be like, "What the hell are you <laughs> talking about?" You know that the, the the article completely contradicts that, or makes that same point, or whatever. <laughs> so that you get that kind of peer pressure of you know uh, people having to register to stop looking stupid in the comments. So so the, the, you know we're we doing all these kind of things just to, to kind of play with the, the model, and th- and this is the reality. So so the middle column, the the strict meter, is that sa- those same numbers that I showed you in the previous slide. Um over on the right hand side is the actual numbers that we're seeing every month, this was January 2015 um, so actually we've got a much higher number of people visiting our site and reading articles than the strict paywall would allow but by, you know so so, so if you think about it taking that top line, we've got about 14,500 pirates on the site every, every month if you want to think of it that way but those are good people to have on the site because they're you know, to my mind they're expending more effort in bypassing the paywall than it would cost. You know, the, to me, the two ninety nine that we charge is worth it to not have to go to that hassle. But if they want to do it and they want to give us advertising revenue and, and all that, then perfect. So what we ended up with is it kind of doesn't make much difference to the bottom line. We've got kind of a hundred thousand more uh visitors than we might have had but it really affects that core loyal audience that we want, those top people, the news junkies and regulars, the, the Scottish audience that we want to attract. Yeah, so um, to be honest, um, so you know the way when you go on the internet and you see like, you know, here are 20 celebrities that you didn't think were fat or whatever, and it's a clickbait, is basically. So I, I don't have a strong tie into the Hollywood thing. Um, <laughs> it, it was a kind of uh, An idea that uh, came and went, but the principle is there that, so Hollywood and uh, the music industry also have been through this same challenge of um, the transition to digital and how do you make money and (coughs) each have tackled it differently, but actually now you're in the position, especially with the music industry, where they've basically said, album sales are making us virtually no money. So what we'll do is we'll put it all, you know all these videos were going onto YouTube anyway, so rather than, you know, for years EMI were, you know, putting in takedown notices, get that off YouTube, get that off YouTube, and you find all these videos disappearing. Now there's dedicated YouTube channels from the music industry to make these things available, to promote, in fact, some of them are paying YouTube to be advertising the latest album on there. Um, they make some revenue back from that, but essentially what they've done is pivoted their business model into merchandise and touring, and they're using, online as a market channel, so so you could say that the argument's the same, that essentially pi- the Pirates have won in the music industry, certainly to an extent in the movie industry also that the Pirates have won, that people are getting it for free, and they've adapted their business model to suit, and we're kind of doing the same thing, that a strict paywall wouldn't give us the yield that we, that we want especially in advertising, which is still two thirds of our digital revenue uh, and that's me so